Hello and welcome to another episode of Life Changes You. I'm Daniel and I hope you've been having a great week. I've got Connor Nolan back with me again today from Ireland, who you may recall came on a little while ago and spoke about his battle with anorexia. Well, it was a battle, but he got through it and he's fine now. And he wrote a book called Normal and uh, he's 22 now. Today, we're going to talk about mindset, goals, ambition and sense of self. So, Connor, welcome back. Thank you for coming back on the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be back. Thank you. It's great to have you back. I really enjoyed your last podcast and I'm sure the listeners did too. It was very informative and I'm sure it will help uh, some other young men or young women who are going through similar things to what you did and not actually feel so scared or hesitant about getting help through a counsellor. You you really spoke so eloquently and really filled us in on what your life was like as a 12-year-old. So thank you very much for that one. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. So today you're going to talk about mindset, goals, ambition, and sense of self. Thank you. So like I say, we said in the last episode, I had my, my battle with anorexia very young and yeah. into my mid-teens. My, my mid-teens were a case of, I suppose, moving on from that and, and I suppose, refining a life in a sense. So a huge part for me of my mid-teens were my relationship with the gym. So around the age of 15, I bought myself a few dumbbells and a bench press. And I said, right, I'm going to build myself up into a bigger, I suppose, a stronger version of myself. And there's, a, there's several things I, I learned from that journey. And one thing is that people sometimes will not take you seriously when you embark on a big goal. Yeah. I had a few, had a few teammates. I remember, I remember very vividly. I was 15. We were going to a football game. There was five of us in the car. And uh, I said, oh, I'm after buying a, a bench press. And, and the whole car laughed. Yep. The guys in the seat beside me laughed. One of their dads was driving. He laughed. And I never forget that sense of that sense. I was sitting in the, in the middle seat in the back and I remember just feeling small. I remember feeling completely humiliated and that happened in 2014 yep. and not, not to spoil the story, but fast forward four years in 2018, I bench pressed 150 kilos at a wow. powerlifting competition. So I kind of went, do you know what? Yeah, you just can laugh all you want. That became my, my reaction. I, how does that make you feel as a 14 year old? I mean, because, did they know your history about your anorexia? Oh, they did. Yeah. The, well, I'll put it this way. These are people that I'm no longer friends with. These are people okay. who bullying is a very sensitive topic in, in my book. And it's, it's ironic. It took me so many years to admit to myself that I was bullied because uh, the majority of the bullying I would have received when I was quite small would have come from friends of mine. I talk a lot in my public speaking about to young people about in your, in your teens, especially your, your, among young men, there's a hard man mentality. There's an alpha male mentality. Yeah. Who's the big dog? Who's the big man? And that can become a nightmare for someone who's slightly smaller. Because when you've got a group of lads and if you're the smallest, you become the scapegoat. Yeah. You become the one who gets hit. You become the one your jumper is stolen. The pocket is ripped off your shirt. Your tie gets stolen. You're put in headlocks. And you, are, you become, as the phrase goes, the runt of the litter. Yeah, And it's something I accepted I went oh this is just friendship this is just how guys yeah. behave yeah and then it took me years to admit no that that wasn't right because that left a serious a seriously bad mark on me and it left me it led me to be almost skeptical when I met new people it led me to think that other people would be like them and yeah. it let me left me with a I had a very high guard up when I met new people and it took me a long time to drop that guard and be more welcoming to new people that I met so these were people that really didn't have my 
best interests or how I felt yeah. at heart, you know. And one thing people say is they say when you go to college and, you know, in your late teens, that's when you find your friends. And I, yeah. I stand by that because when I went to college, I, I found my people and I forgot. Me too. Absolutely. When I got to 18, 17, 18, that's when I started to get in there and find the, the group of people that thought like me, were like me. Um, and it was like, wow, you know, I didn't know that this is where you actually, your life begins. Exactly. They say life starts at 20 and it, it, it makes sense. It, it really yeah. does make sense when you think about it. But, uh, and I guess with those guys that you were friends with back then, um, from their point of view, um, and I'm, I'm not excusing what they did, but if you had said to them, why are you bullying me? They'd be saying, no, I'm just having a laugh with you. Exactly. Because that would probably be how they saw it. They were having a laugh with you, but they didn't realize the impact it was having on you. Yeah, it was because um, I, I unfriended and unfollowed a lot of them in time since. And, and one of them, one of them confronted me, he says, what's wrong? And I said, no, we're, we're finished. And I, I explained the story. I explained why. And I said, look, I says, and in fairness to this guy, this guy I was speaking to, he wasn't the worst culprit of the group. He was maybe yeah. one of the nicer ones. But I said, no, if I'm still friends with you, I end up still friends with all of them. So yeah. no, if I'm cutting you off, I'm cutting you off as a group. And it may, that may sound, I suppose, slightly cruel to some people, but the way, the way I look at it is there is great power in, I suppose, excuse my language, telling people to F off. Yeah, there is great power in, in, in cutting some people off because sometimes you have to for your own growth and for your own yeah. mental health. You have to cut certain people off and some people aren't. I talk a lot in my book about this notion of, of family and family is the people who end up in your life for the right reasons. They're the friends who stick around. They're the long term yeah. friendships and not everyone is going to be that. Yeah. And you, you realize that some people are going to come and go. Some people are there for character development. Some people are there for the long haul and you begin to, you begin to realize who's who yep. and you begin to realize who has to go and who has to stay. So definitely there definitely was a sense of they didn't, they probably didn't realize, but from my point of view, it's a sense of it happens so often that even now in, in our, in our later years, I was still friends with them and they were a lot more respectful, but yep. I could never forget how I was treated. And even, even in, even in our later teens, I still never felt taken seriously by them. So I said, you and you know have what? to protect yourself as well, don't you? Absolutely. It's, it's a case of looking out, I suppose, for, for oneself. So I said, no, for my own, for my own sake, I have to cut these people off and, and, and move forward. And you don't want, um, if you had stayed friends with that one person who was still in that crew, you don't want to be talking to them openly about something and then finding out that that's gone back to the rest of the group that you don't want to be a part of. Precisely. Yeah. So it, it, it's, as you say, it becomes a case of protecting oneself. And I, for me, I think, I think when you're, they say when you're young, you meet a lot of temporary people. And I think it's a hard process to grasp in your late teens, early twenties. And I use an idea in my book called a conveyor belt. Right. So you're standing on a, on a factory line, assembly line, there's a conveyor belt of people coming through. Some of them you won't interact with, you won't get along with, and that's fine. You have very short interactions. You say, I don't like this person, that's grand. You don't really click with them. Yeah. Then there are some you click with, but they don't stick around. So they kind of move off to the right but the people who do stay in your life they hop off of this belt and they stand with you so we're constantly meeting people who go through our lives but the right ones the you know the, the good friends the good people who you click with who you're of similar character who know you are a good person and they are also good people they come off this conveyor belt and they stand beside you yeah. and i use this, this analogy where it often happens in romantic relationships where we want to hold on to someone who 
isn't very good for us, who our friends know isn't good for us. And it's happened to me in the past. And the way I describe it is if you try and hold on to these people who aren't for you, they're moving away to the right. You're trying to hold on to them. You get pulled away with them. Yeah. And by holding on to these people, you get pulled away from the people who are meant to be in your life. So it is a very delicate process. And it, it, is, it is hard to distinguish who's who. But I do find that time, time tells a tale and time tells everything. And the passage of time shows you who's meant to be in your life and who isn't. Yeah. And it, it does become a matter of, of accepting that. So for me, it became a case of, I grew up with these guys, you know, we, geographically, we were friends all our lives. But I said, no, for the sake of my own growth moving forward, I have to cut them off. Yeah. And, it was and a, look, it, was it, a, it continues through your life because I know at around about 30, 35, I actually got rid of quite a few friends that I thought were good friends. But then I realized, look, you're not great for me. And um, when I called up with one of them years later, they said, what happened? We just, I mean, look, we didn't have Facebook then, so they couldn't find me if I just cut them off. Um, but they said, so what happened? What, why aren't we friends anymore? And I just said, look, I just didn't like what path you were going on, what you were doing. It didn't. It didn't relate to me. Um, I was fed up with all the harassing phone calls and stuff like that. And, you know, friendship should be easy. When you have to really work at it like that and try and analyse everything that's happening or what you're saying to someone, it's better to just move on with the friends that I've got, which I know I can trust and, I, you know, they can trust me. So, you know, it, it, we, it is a conveyor belt. And, yes, yeah, some people you have to just keep pushing back on that conveyor belt and going, go, because... They're just not right in your life. And now I'm, you know, I'm 50. I've got friends that I've had since I was in my 20s, some when I was 15. But they're the ones that I can not speak to for six months and then call them up and it's like I spoke to them yesterday. Whereas I had other friends that if I didn't call them for two days, they'd be ringing me going, what's wrong? Why haven't you called me? Yeah, you made a great point there. You said friendship should be easy. I think yeah, friendship is almost, real friendship is almost effortless. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think especially when, when you're in college, if you, if you go home for a summer and then come back, the people you had met the year before, it's as if you saw them yesterday. Yeah. You know, like you said, there's people you haven't seen in six months and yeah. immediately it's like you know, we pick up where we left off. There's one guy I'm friends with. He, he, I'm friends with him, I'd say, since we started secondary school. And they say any friendship that lasts beyond seven years will last for life. Me and him are going on to about 10 years now. We can only get a house on fire. And I might, he's not in college with me. I, I mightn't ring him for two weeks. I mightn't see him in person for six months. Yep. But when I do see him, it's picking up where we left off. Yep. You know, it's, it's what's your news? How are you keeping? And it's as if nothing, it's as if we were together yesterday. And yeah. that's, I think that's what life's all about. You have these people where it should be effortless. We've enough, we've enough going on without having to struggle to keep <laughs> friends. So exactly. Friendship should be this effortless entity. Absolutely. Yeah. Or justify why you haven't called someone for three days, you know? Exactly. It, it, exactly. Busy, I was like. thinking at the time, you know, like I'm 35. I don't need to justify <laughs> that. I haven't called you for two days. I've been working. I've been busy. <laughs> there's, um, there's a guy I've, um, I'm a big, huge fan of. He's a guy called Steve Harvey. He's an American comedian and he's a bit of a motivation speaker as well. And he says, you know, as, as you get older and older, this happens with more people where you cut them off and, and they move on. And he goes, you know, you get a phone call from someone and someone goes, oh man, we haven't met up in so long. And he goes, are we married? You know, I didn't know that we were, I didn't know we were engaged. You know, it's like we're, we're, we're grown men. Go on, I can't meet everyone all the time. Like, it's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. There is, there is that case of just 
some people are meant to move on and, and some stay. And I think it's it's something you realize as you get older and it makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. And it's good because those people who have stayed on, you know that they are, well, look, I, I know I've got a handful, probably four or five people that I would say are as close as my family or I, I treat them like family and they're treated like family yeah. because, and look, especially for me, we moved here to Australia when I was 11. So I had four aunties and uncles on one side and five on another. So I had 50, 60 cousins. We come here and then it's just my mum, dad, myself and my sister. So when you make friendships with friends, they do become like your family because you don't have that extended family here. Absolutely. I think as you, like you say, as you, as you get older, you know, like they may come a stage even as you get into your 20s. I've noticed here in college, I nearly see like, like there in college, I might have gone home for three months or six months and your friends do become your family in a sense, you know, yeah. when you, when you are away from your, your home home. So absolutely. It does become when you, when you meet people who you love, like your family, you treat like family and that, and so that, that's how, you know, you've, you've really found the right people. So definitely it does become, there does become a familial sense to it. Well, we have got a bit of, bit of topics for what we were going to talk about. Absolutely, but, yeah. But but it's been really good and exactly, exactly productive, productive. Yeah, yeah. That that's uh, that shows uh, a good uh, interaction between both of us because we could talk about different things that we weren't set up for, and still make an intelligent, interesting conversation. Absolutely. So, so let's go back. So we we were talking about the guys who were picking on you in the back of the car, and Absolutely. then you went on to start doing uh, weight training. Yeah, so I was around 15, 16. So I started weight training and I started seeing, I've, 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 one thing I do have is I have a great work ethic and, and that really does come from my father. He's a very hardworking man. So I, I took to the weight training. I loved it and I began to see results very quick. So by the age of 15, 16, I'm now up to maybe, you know, the 60 kilo mark or a bit more. So I'm really starting to fill out. And as I filled out, I became more and more confident. And I, I really began to, for the first time ever, I, I, I loved who I was because you know, after anorexia, even though I got healthier again, I, I wasn't very muscular. I, 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 you know, I wasn't physically strong. And now, you know, I was in great shape. I, when I looked in the mirror, I loved what I saw. And I was very, very comfortable. I think, I think comfortable is, a great, is the right word. I was very comfortable with who I was. So it was a great time of my life in, in that sense. So I was really starting to really find a love for myself and, and, and really become comfortable uh, with who I was. And as I got stronger and stronger, you know, it, it helped me on the football pitch, but I began to lose interest in football and I found more and more love for, um, for the gym and stuff like that. Yeah. And this was at a time, this was maybe six or seven years ago. Gyms weren't really, well, there was no gym in my town. I was lifting in my, in my bedroom and the idea of gym work hadn't really come into rural Ireland. You know, there was strength and conditioning in football, but it hadn't really hit rural Ireland yet. Yeah. So this idea of weight training wasn't a rural Ireland thing. And it was my father who said to me, my father's a very old fashioned man. He'd say, why are you doing that? You know, you're better off going out on a building site or something. And I'd say, no, this is what I'm doing. This is, this is what I like to do. And that's where, that's one of the elements that brought me to the title of normal. It's that when you do something that not everyone else does, you get questioned. Yeah. And, you know, your, your methods are questioned and your why is questioned. And that's when I began to realize not everyone is going to agree with what you do. Not everyone is going to fully support what you do but you have to keep going regardless. And if you, again, pardon my language, if you piss a few people off along the way, that's, that's their problem, not yours. Yeah. So as I got to 16 and 17, I was really, really loving the gym. And I eventually got to a stage where I said, do you know what? This is my sport. Never mind Gaelic football. I, I've tried that for years and I failed. 
maybe maybe the gym is my is my go-to for sports. So I packed in football at the age of 17 and I said, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and compete. I was watching the world's strongest man and I was watching these powerlifting videos and I said, what if I could do that? You know, and and at the time my my bench press might have been about 70 kilos, which was good for a young man, but it wasn't competition level. Yeah. But I thought, do you know what? If if they can do it, I can do it. What if one day I was world's strongest man? What if one day I was a powerlifting champion? What if and I thought what a turnaround it would be? What a turnaround it would be to go from the anorexic young man who could barely run and was thrown around the football pitch to being, yeah. you know, as the phrase goes, a, a bear of a man. You know, I thought what a transformation that would be. Yeah. And I gained this great self-belief. You know, when I when I started playing football at a young age, I wanted to play for County Cav and all these different things, and I failed. And I had this moment where I thought to myself, what if I fail at this as well? What if I don't reach the world's strongest man level? What if I don't, you know, what if I'm not good at this? Yeah. And I thought, so what? Because if I try to be a great powerlifter and I fail, I'll still be miles and miles ahead of the anorexic young man I once was. Definitely, yeah. At this, So at the age of 17, I learned about ambition. I learned that when you have an idea not everyone's going to believe in it. A lot of people are going to laugh in your face. Yeah. And I say that it's ironic. It happened. It happened to me in school. I was getting known now as being a big man and oh, Connor's, Connor's a big dude. And I said to someone at school, I said, you know what? I'd love to, I'd love to try competing in powerlifting. And they went, ah, oh, you're having a laugh now. And the way, I, the way I describe it is when you're good at something, you know, if you're good at football, I say this in my book, if you're good at football, if you're good at singing, if you're good at anything at all, you're great. People appreciate you. But when you express a serious level of ambition, that's when they, that's when they slightly turn. Yeah. And I say that, you know, ambition is, ambition is laughed at and ambition is often mocked. And when someone goes, you know, I want to be an actor, I want to be a singer, people go, ah, yeah, yeah, that's grand. You go and be an accountant or something like that. <laughs> ambition is laughed at, yeah. but ambition is such a brilliant fuel and ambition gives so much meaning to us. When we find something we love, you know, to chase after that gives us so much meaning and so much energy. So I say, you know, anybody who wants to do something out of the ordinary, don't be thrown off by that. When I said I want to write a book, everyone said, you're, you are having a laugh. You don't read. You hate English. You know, I have a quite a strong rural Irish accent. They're like, you're, you're not author material. I said, mm, bear with me. Do you know, so when you express great ambition, when you express great ambition, people, you know, people, people, people begin to turn, you know, so yeah. I think ability is great, but ambition is laughed at. But what I find is that ambition is, although it is, it is laughed at and it's, it's some, a lot of people, as the phrase goes, they're dream killers. A lot of people hate yeah. ambition because they're not ambitious. And exactly. You, when, and I think it's a bit yeah. of jealousy as well. Is like, Absolutely. I wish I could do that or I wish I could think like that. Absolutely. And there's a phrase to say, when you, when you begin to get your life together, you, you lose people. So yeah. when, when you begin to follow a goal, you will lose people who haven't got a goal of their own because they become jealous and they want to, they want to pull you down because you're moving forward and your success highlights, I suppose, their lack of work and, and they're, I suppose, they're being stagnant. Yeah. You know, so people become very uncomfortable with that. So I find when you're ambitious and when you go for something, not only will it uplift your life and give you great meaning yeah. and, and a great sense of work ethic, so that was my, that was my, I suppose, my positive journey with the gym and, and that only got... I suppose more positive things went along. Well, went hand in hand with this. Can I yeah, can I just ask you there? Do you think that when you when you 
recovering from anorexia and you were seeing the counsellor. Do you think any of that counselling put you in that right mindset to where you are now? I think, you see, because it's so long ago, like it's nearly 10 years since I was in counselling, it's hard for me to remember a lot of, I remember the positive effect, but I remember very little of what was actually said. You've got to where you are with your own determination and and uh, working out who you are and what you want to do. Um, but I, I was just asking that because I thought maybe there was something when you were younger that might have changed your thinking. And look, it probably did. I mean, just you recovering from anorexia is a major thing that shows that you can shift and you did shift um, and you were able to overcome a, a massive thing in your life. Um, so, I mean, it could just be all down to you. We said absolutely. I, I think it's the one thing I've always taken from the counselling was how with the help of others, you can, your life can change. And I think that's the one thing that really stuck with me. You know, and that's the one thing I can, I can definitely remember. We can do great things. And I do think that that would explain my somewhat unexplainable self-belief. So definitely I do think there is a positive impact. There is a positive impact. <laughs> not explainable. <laughs> no, no, no. Not unexplainable because no, no, uh, but- obviously you've got a really good mindset and you, <laughs> no, you're right. and you've achieved great things and you've done great things um so i don't want to take it away from where you are now i just i was just thinking that you know i i think with schooling a lot of the times uh children aren't taught empathy compassion uh who they really are uh and how to actually look inside themselves, insight, and, and work out where they are, what direction they want. And a, a lot of where children go to from being young is the fact of uh, either like siblings, uh, siblings are doing this or that, and, oh, I wouldn't mind going that way. They're being um, yes, influenced. Yeah. Whereas with you, I was wondering whether the counselling had helped you actually become your own person and realise that you could make decisions and I, I guess even with the anorexia and you getting help from your parents and the pediatrician, you still had to make that choice and you still had to go, okay, this is what I need to get through. Um, and so with that mindset, uh, I think that's helped you get to where you are now. So in other words, I'm saying now that maybe the counselling didn't necessarily help you because you had to make that choice when you were young. It, it definitely, I think that what the, what the counselling definitely showed me is, you know, we we sometimes have to we have to do what we have to do to move forward. Like I say, like when I when I had to start eating more, you know, I didn't want to. It definitely gave me a sense of we we have to do what we have to do to move forward. And that's an attitude I take to a lot of things, whether it's in college yeah. or with sport. It's a case of sometimes you have to do what you have to do to move forward. And it, it might be exhausting and it might be and it might take a lot out of yeah. you, but the future rewards will make up for that. Do you know what? And it's because I found it in college where yep. I, I studied physics and, and there's a lot of modules that I didn't enjoy. We do what we have to do to move forward. And that, that's one thing I definitely took from it. So I, I would definitely say it, there definitely was a mark. And it, it's interesting. I've never, really, I've never really thought about this, but I had about two years left in school. So I was in my, I suppose, the process of my, my leaving cert, my final exams. So I knew I wanted to go to college to study physics. You know, I would, I would need a scholarship. Yep. This, became, this became my next goal. You know, that um, yep. I thought, right, I'm the eldest of four. I don't want to put financial pressure on my family. If I want to, if I want to do this, and if this is going to be feasible, I have to do it. I have to get through it myself in a sense. So throughout my fifth and sixth year in school, yep. I said, right, I knew the, I knew the points roughly I needed for a scholarship. I needed to get all A's and B's or something, or, you know, roughly around that. So 
for them to find my final two years in school, I slept something like six hours a night for two years because I had a part-time job and I was in the gym as well. Wow. And that's where I said, you know what, right? This is going to make the four years of my college life much more accessible and much more bearable. So if I completely go at this for two years, my life is going to change. And like I said before about that, this is going to be a very grueling two years and it certainly was. Yep. But I can get through it. And if I do get through it, my life will certainly feel the benefits in the long run. So that's where I talk a lot about mindset where we have, a, we have a future goal and we accept that sometimes the present will not be, the present day will not be very pleasant sometimes in order to achieve this goal. But there's a sense of accepting that this future yeah. goal is going to make our life a lot easier, a lot more accessible. It could be, for example, saving money for a house. It could be, it could be the idea of weight loss or, or, or putting on muscle for a sport this process is not overly enjoyable sometimes, but the future rewards, yep. my life in the future is going to be made a lot easier by this. And, and it certainly was. When I finished school, I finished with 550 points, which is, I suppose, nearly all A's and B's. And I got a scholarship that covered my, my four years in college. So it's, it's wow. you can have this goal. And I, I knew this would make my life so much easier. And I said, right, come hell or high water, this is going to happen. And without realizing I was, I was manifesting the future. I didn't realize it at the time. And now I'm, I'm big into visualization and, and manifesting the future. But at the time I didn't even realize that's what I was doing because every day and night I thought about this. I thought this, yep. this is going to help my future so much. I went to bed thinking about it. I got up at night, I got up in the morning thinking about it. When you constantly chip away at a goal and at a dream, it has no choice but to come into fruition. So that, that period of my life, 15, 16, 17 and 18, between my education and my life with the gym, I realized that if you, if you relentlessly, if you relentlessly chafed at, chase after what you want, it will come. It has no choice but to come into fruition. And that, that's, an, I think, a priceless lesson I learned from my teenage years, that we really can get the life we want if we go at it and we chase after it. I think um, you said that the process can be really grueling. I think it was actually until I got to my 40s when I went back to uni and started studying counselling. Before that, I was still one of those people who was like, I want the outcome. I don't, I don't want to do all this in the middle. I want the outcome. And it was when I started learning counselling that then I realised, ah, well, the process is what actually teaches you about what the outcome will be. And it's really bizarre that, you know, until I started learning that, that I, I didn't actually get that you can't just have stuff instantaneously. You, it, it's not just, oh, look, I just want to get as quick as I can. Once you learn all those steps in the middle, then you look back and you go, wow, what would I have learned if I hadn't done that? You know, I, I mean, I'm not saying uh, people who cheat, but people who go from here to here um, and they don't have any of that middle bit in the middle, I don't know what the difference would be, but from my point of view, that process in the middle of uh, learning everything is just phenomenal. And, and all the little nuances Absolutely. that you learn from that, which then you take I think, on I think an example of that, in your it's life. a very loosely connected example. But if you think about money, if you think of people who have won the lottery versus somebody who has created an income stream yep. or a business to get there, when you look at the difference in those two people, the person yeah. who's won the lottery, first of all, they're probably going to squander that wealth and, and they're never going to see it again. Whereas the person who's built up that wealth, they're going to hold on to it for dear life and they're going to instill that mindset in their children and grandchildren and show them how to do it. So I, I, think, I think money, finance, and, and I think wealth yeah. is a great example of that where when it comes quick, it will very quickly disappear. But if it comes slowly, 
you know, it will be much greater uh, appreciated. All right. Well, look, I think we're going to leave it there, Connor. I mean, another great podcaster. You've conquered some massive things in your life and you, you've come out the other side. You've written a book. And as you just said before, people said to you, you're not going to write a book. You don't even read books. You, you've written your own book called Normal. Um, you speak so well. You're a great communicator. It's been really interesting and inspiring talking to you because, yeah, there's just some great stuff you've brought up and, and talked about, not only in this podcast, in the last podcast, talking about your anorexia and also being so open and um, honest about how your life's been. It's not all a bed of roses, but you've, you've conquered it and you, you've Thank come you. out Thank in a really so good much. position. Thank so you. well done to you. Uh, and look, um, um, we are going to have you, well, I'm going to have you back for another podcast uh, in a little while because there's still more that we need to cover um but it's just been phenomenal to talk to you i'm so glad to have found you and i hope that your what you've been speaking about in the last two podcasts resonate with not only young men but young women and men and women of my age group because i think you're really good at putting across what you need to say and the way you say it is informative and encouraging to people that um, at any age, whatever they're doing, they can make changes. Um, they can change their mindset. And sometimes people go, oh, mindset, what's that? It's just about changing the way you think about your life and that you want to learn something else and you don't have to be stuck in what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, give your um, book a plug again. It's, it's My book is called Normal and uh, my name is Connor Nolan. So it's available on Amazon or you can go to my website. It's connornolanauthor.com. That's Connor with one N. And there's links there as well to um, interviews of mine and my book is available through a few Irish uh, distributors there as well. All right, brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Um, we'll see you again uh, in the next, uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Perfect, thank you. Thanks a million. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other, and thanks for listening.